0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I go to Erev Shabbos, <laughs> I hope everyone as well. I'd like to wish a mazlotov to Rabbi Mitzvah Ramziper upon the bar mitzvah of their grandson. May they see much nachas from him and from their entire mishpacha. This week's parash of the Torah tells us Koshbar who comes to Maishu Rabbeinu and tells him about the mitzvah of the a shekel, The obligation for Jews to give a half dollar, a half shekel. And Chazal tell us, the Gemara Menachas explains that Maishu Rabbeinu had difficulty with this. He couldn't grasp, he couldn't understand how this is supposed to look. And Hashem showed Maishu Rabbeinu, he actually Chazal tell us that Hashem took a Madbeah Shalesh. Hashem took a, a coin on fire. From under the kisei Covenant, he shows it to Meir Rabbeinu, he says, Here, Meir Rabbeinu, this is the Matz shekel that I want you to teach and to educate the Jewish people to give annually. The obvious question on this Chazal is, what is so difficult about how a half dollar looks? <coughs> we all remember, small children, part of our math lesson was realizing the difference between a nickel, a dime, a penny, a quarter, Right. Hopefully now in adulthood we have no trouble anymore realizing the difference between coins. We all can pick out a different coin. We can see a coin that's not an American coin, a shekel, a different uh, country's coin. So what did my do not understand about the half dollar? Take a coin, a shekel, is a, it's, a, it's a currency. A half of that is what Hashem wants us to give. What was puzzling Moshe Rabbeinu? What troubled Moshe Rabbeinu that he needed HaKadosh Baruch to step in and show him and enlighten him on what he wants? What's even more troubling and hard to understand is why did it have to be fire? Why did I have to show him a fire, a coin on fire? I understand it's you know, it adds to the situation, but Moshe Rabbeinu didn't need that inspiration. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't need that backdrop of wow, it's on fire. You know, For us today, we need everything to be lit up and jazzed up. So wow, it's not just a coin, it's a coin on fire. Okay? For us it would mean something. But for Myshainu, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need it to be on fire. Why does it have to be on fire? And furthermore, why do you have to take it from under the KCR covet? Strange place to keep money. Keep money under the KSA covet. I know today people do a lot of business under the table, I understand. That's money under the table, but why does that Kodish Baruch Hu <coughs> need to keep this special coin, this Shekel, tucked away under his KCR covet? So I believe the answer is a very important lesson. For Moshe Rabbeinu, and of course for us as a Jewish people as well, and Moshe Sternbach explains what is the message of the fire. And Moshe Sternbach explains that fire is a very unique thing. Fire, on one hand, can be so amazingly useful. Fire can be so productive. Fire can be used to cook, to heat a house. Fire can be used to give you light. Fire can be one of the most essential and productive things that we have in this world. On the other hand, fire can be the most dangerous. The most uh, hurt, harmful, the most uh, painful experience is a fire. People can, chas lose their life, lose their valuables, you lose their property. Fires can be a terrible, terrible thing. So what is fire? Is it good or is it bad? The answer explains what my Steinbach is. It depends how it's used. It could be fantastic. And of course, unfortunately, it could be terrible as well. It's not anything. It's all how you use it. Now we can understand what Moshe Rabbeinu was so troubled by. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to HaKadosh Baruch and HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Moshe Rabbeinu, I have a plan for how to give kapar for the Jewish people after the story of the Eagle. Many of learned that the Makhz like it says in the Pasuk, Lechapar al it was there to give them atonement from the eagle. So Moshe Rabbeinu was excited, great, what's going to give them atonement for the eagle? HaShem says, let them give money. Moshe Rabbeinu says to himself, HaKadosh Baruch, I don't understand. How did they get in the eagle in the first place? We we'll learn in the beginning of Parshat and Sefer Devarim, Dizahav. They had too much money. They had too much money. They had all this gold and silver that they took with them out of Yamsav. It was too much money. It was too much. Because they had all this money, that's why they were more than happy to throw it in to ter- create an ego. says, this sin came about for money. You're going to fix it with money. It doesn't make any sense. The mistake, the flaw, was money. Too much of it. And now what? You're going to instead give more money? Hashem says to Mary Shabbat, you don't understand, it's like fire. It's not not intrinsically bad. Money is not intrinsically bad. Money is not the root of all evil. It's all how you use it. If you take money and you use it for an eagle, it's terrible. But when you take money and you donate half a shekel to the base of Mikdash, you give the money to buy karbanas, you give the money to build the base of migdash, then money's a great thing. What Maishu Rabbeinu couldn't understand was, how could something that caused the sin then be used to fix the sin? The answer is because Hashem was telling Maishu Rabbeinu, nothing is really intrinsically bad. It's all how you use it. When it's used for good, it's fantastic. Unfortunately, when it's used for negative, it can be terrible. And that's the Mastas Shekel. The Mastas Shekel is the terrible way of telling us, money is not bad. Money is all how you use it. Money is a Nisayan, a very, very powerful Nisayan. It could be used for good, and unfortunately, it could be used for the wrong things. And the Jewish people themselves experienced both sides of this Nisayan. When we were Mitzrayim, we were slaves, we were poor, we experienced poverty. Then we left Mitzrayim, Khrushchev, we experienced wealth, and we were tested on both fronts. We were tested, how will we manage, how will we survive poverty. Then again, we were test how we going to survive living a wealthy lifestyle. So the lesson that Ma'ish Rabbeinu is teaching all of us (coughs) is that everything in life is not good or bad. Everything in life needs to be balanced. There has to be a healthy balance. Nothing is intrinsically bad. Nothing is intrinsically good. It's all how it's used. Everything can be used for great, and everything it can be used for potential great things. And unfortunately, things can be used for horrible things. (coughs) La havdil, an example: the internet. Technology, many people yell and scream how terrible technology is. Yes, if used for the wrong things, it could be terrible. But when it's used for the right things, when you take something like the internet and you send shurim, you send Torah out. People are learning Torah all over the globe at all hours of the at all hours of the day. That is not a great thing. Everything is how you use it. It's not intrinsically anything. It's all what you do with it and how you use it. We spoke in the shul this past Shabbos about the silent lashon hara of chats and emails. But you know how beautiful it is when you see a chat full up with people saying to at all hours of the day for Ka Yisrael, for soldiers, for Chaylem? That's using technology in the most beautiful way. Yes, unfortunately, chats can be used for spreading Lashon Haro. Yes, but they can also be used to be filling up, to do Chesed, to notify people about saris, to get people to say to Hillam, to ask people to do Chesed. Nothing is intrinsically good or bad. It's all how we use it. If we decide to take this and make it holy, it becomes holy. If we decide to take our money and give it to holiness, now the money becomes holy. That's what the Torah says. It's shekel hakodesh. It becomes holy. That dollar that I got from my boss becomes holy when I give it away to Tzadka. It's all how we do it and what we do with it. And we find a similar idea later on in the Pasha. When the Jewish people do the terrible sin of the Chet Ega. What is the biggest claim that they have, that, that Hashem has on them? Hashem says, You stubborn Jews. You're stubborn. You were told not to and you didn't listen. You're stubborn. It sounds like Hashem is more upset about our stubbornness than He is about the avera that we did. And many before Hashem learn like that. Hashem is upset because we're such stubborn Jews. Why are you so stubborn? You were told not to do it and you didn't listen. Yes, that was our flaw. But many before Hashem point out, the stubbornness of Sol can be a beautiful bracha as well. Yes, we're stubborn and we're bad and we sometimes don't listen to our leaders and we don't listen to our Kodesh Boch, we don't listen to the Torah and that's our flaw. But sometimes our stubbornness is what kept us alive throughout so many generations of Kala Yisrael. The fact that we were tormented, the fact that we were pushed down, the fact that we were killed, the fact that we were shmatted, we were told we're not allowed to not let the Torah this, and we fought it all. The stubbornness of Kala Yisrael is why we are still here today. Because we are a stubborn nation. We just have to use that media in the right way. We're not supposed to be stubborn to HaKadosh We're not supposed to be stubborn to the Torah and the Mitzvahs and to Chazal. We're supposed to be stubborn to a government, to oppression, to anti-Semites, to those who want to bring us down, to those who want to hurt us. That's who we're stubborn to. That's when we say, yes, we are a stiff-necked people. You're not going to kick us down. You're not going to stop us from learning. You're not going to stop us from our religious freedom. That's when being an Amk Oiref, that's when being stubborn is very helpful. And it's almost amazing to look at the where we are today in Jewish in, in in contrast, in retrospective of Jewish history. Look what we've been through as a nation. Time after time, country after country, century after century, how many times have we been pushed down? How many times have we been assaulted? How many times have we been murdered? And we're here. I'm Yisrael Chai. We are still here today. That's because we're a We don't roll over and play dough. We stand for what we believe. We don't get pushed around. How many Jews were told every Friday, you're not going to have a job next week? And we stood and we took it. We said, okay, I'm not working on Shabbos. We stood our ground. We were stubborn. That is how the Jewish nation survived till today and including today. And that's how we will survive comes with our stubbornness. So the Torah is reminding us in this week's parasha that everything that we have in this world can be used for terrible, 100%. But it can be used for amazing things. Every dollar, every penny, money can be used for great things. Tzedakah, Aniyam, Chesed, Torah, money is amazing. Unfortunately, when it's used for the wrong things, it's terrible. It's damaging. But our stubbornness, yes, when we're stubborn against our spouses and we're stubborn against our rabbonim, and we're stubborn against the boss, that doesn't get us anywhere in life. That's Amksher if that's the punishment of the Chet Ega. But we're stubborn for what we believe in. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to give in to society. I'm not going to give in to those who want me to do not like Hashem. That's when stubborn is an amazing midah. And that's what Klai stands for. Call us a stubborn Jew. Yes. But if that's the reason why I'm not going to go work on Shabbos, if that's the reason I'm not going to embarrass my friend, if that's the reason I'm going to do something for someone else, then call me stubborn. Sometimes it takes a little bit, to be stubborn, to make a difference. It's not always easy. You've got to stand your ground and say, this is what I think is right, and I don't care what people are going to say, I'm going to do it anyways. i share with you an amazing story. There was a boy, a young Tamod Chacham, went to get interviewed to come into one of the Chaburs in the Lakewood Yeshiva. But a complex part of the Yeshiva, you have to be really on top of your game. And the Rebbe, for hearing him, was blown away by this boy's knowledge. This boy was unbelievably knowledgeable for, for a fellow so young. He was so clear, so understanding of all of the complex issues of Cheshav Mishpat, which is not easy for anyone. And the Rebbe was just blown away by his knowledge, his clarity. He said, did you, how do you get to this point? He tells, I'll tell you a story of what happened when I was much younger. He says, when I was much younger. I was in high school. I wasn't anything special. I was a regular kid. <clears throat> I got called up to do Hagba one Monday in, shul, in the yeshiva. After laning, after Kriya on Monday I was called to lift up the Sefer Torah. And you know, I lifted the Sefer Torah backwards, like Simchas Torah. I made a shtick out of it. I lifted the Torah like we do on Simchas Torah. And you can imagine, after davening, the Rosh shiva came over to me and he let me have it. I said, what are you doing? It's not Simchas Torah. You can imagine the speech, the lecture that this boy got from the Rosh shiva. The boy says, I told the Rosh Hashiva, let me explain. You know why I did this? I'll tell you why I did this. Because the boy who got Shlishi, the Aliyah, right before Hagba, had a terrible stutter. And he could barely get through the bracha. And I can see and I can feel the pain that he must have been experiencing. And I said to myself, I got to do something to get the attention off this boy. Because he's going to finish, I'm going to do Hagba, and the talk of the town will be this boy, Nebuch, stop stu- stuttering his way through the bracha. And it broke my heart. And I decided I need to do something. What can I do to get this boy's situation out of everyone's discussion? So I decided I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to do something really strange and everyone will talk about me instead. Do you know what that takes? To put yourself in a very funny predicament because you don't want to watch your friend, fellow classmate, be insulted or people talk about him? And he said, that's what I did. And he told the Fahara in Lakewood, he said, at that moment, when I made that decision, I had such Hakslach in my learning. To me, that's being stubborn. Saying, no, I'm going to do something now that is going to hurt me. I'm going to get flack for it. I'm going to get it. T- but I got to do it. That's k'shay We as a nation sometimes have to be k'shay If it means helping someone, if it means doing for somebody, be stubborn. Stubborn means, I don't care what, I'm going to get it done. Stubborn can be an amazing meter. Everything in life can be used for great, and unfortunately can be used for good. Our job in this world is to find ways to use all the media that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, all our abilities and capabilities, use them for good, and not chas v'shalom for bad. Amit Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give us the ability to stand up to those that try to bring us down, to make it through the difficult times in life, and to always be on the side of giving, and not have to be on the side of receiving. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should shower all of us and our mishpachas with brachas in all areas of life. And together we should merit to see the arrival of Mashiach, have a wonderful Shabbos.